Juggling podcast number 53, A Conversation with Michael Karras. Hello and welcome to Juggling Podcast number... 53. Uh, this uh, is a, another sort of special edition kind of the uh, podcast this time, because my name's Luke Burridge. And I'm Paula Brendler. And on the line with us is... Michael Kareth, how you doing? And uh, yeah, we're trying to we're going to go for a full podcast with a with an uh, like a, a guest host. I guess it's a bit like the Jugglers on Juggling podcast here. We've got a guest host with us, and it's Michael Karras. Um So we'll get on to more with Michael in a few minutes, um, I guess. But first, we've got some news and some bits and pieces. First off, a little bit about the podcast. Check this out. We've now passed a hundred thousand downloads. Of all of wow. the uh, of all of the podcasts so far, so that's actually I think it's around about one hundred and five thousand downloads. It's just past that in the past really? since yeah, just that's si- really cool. Just since the last one, so of course at about fifty three um, podcasts, uh, it works out to just uh, just about two uh, thousand downloads per podcast. So that's that's pretty good going, I think. Um, so I'm really, really pleased. yeah. Really, uh, really quite pleased with that. And just randomly, actually, I'm looking at the thing at uh, the um, at the uh, at the, at the statistics, yeah, and it says which are the top podcasts which are being downloaded each month, and often it's sort of like, oh, this one with uh, Stefan Zing, Stefan Zing one's always really popular, and the one with um, uh, with Victor Key and uh, Thomas Dietz, and they're all good, and then there's the one with Priam and the Ori Roth interview, can you remember the Ori Roth interview that went really w- badly? Yeah, that you couldn't understand. Yeah, that's just been downloaded over a thousand times in the past month. Oh, do you know why? Why is that? Because of the Israeli convention. It was just in April, so I guess it was because of that. Oh, yeah, they maybe. They chatted about it. Yeah, yeah, maybe they were talking about that there. Anyway, so that's uh, that's a bit of news. Um, some some feedback that I got from... from uh, uh, e- by email and uh, on Facebook. Uh, one person said, going back to the, the podcast, this is uh, Robert Archibald, he says, going back to the podcast for n- Tricks for Non-Jugglers, he says, I've been watching a bit of Britain's Got Talent, which we actually talked about on last week's podcast with Adrian Paul, and he's going, you know, all the feelings that they have about juggling acts, is, unless they're dangerous, the only people who like watching them are other jugglers. And uh, I must I must disagree with that, actually, because um, he this Robert actually goes on to say that you should interview some non-jugglers and, and get what they feel about is good about juggling acts because we're all jugglers so we don't get sort of that objective opinion but I uh, I must really disagree with that actually because uh, members of the public for me you know they like what you tell them to like or they like what you let them to let, let them like and um, Britain's Got Talent they don't let themselves enjoy juggling which isn't dangerous and I guess it's the same kind of thing for America's Got Talent um, but you know, I do that site swap piece with the video, you know, the four four one and stuff like that. And people say it's the highlight of the show that I do, and it's the best juggling they've ever seen. So I don't think it's the tricks; it's the uh, it's the presentation. And then once you've got the presentation down, of course, there's some tricks which are better. And I think that was the the point of our podcast. Uh, did you listen to that one, Michael? And you got any opinions on tricks that are, are good for non jugglers? Um, actually, I I, I really, l- <laughs> I'm sort of uh, the kind of juggler that loves tricks for non jugglers. Um. Yeah, and me in too. fact, whenever whenever I'm trying to decide like what sort of tricks to learn, I always take non-jugglers into consideration. Um, for example, there's a lot of tricks that uh, are very popular with jugglers that I really don't bother to learn because I don't think that anyone will uh, even comprehend them or understand them. Yeah, and I think this is the reason why we shouldn't bother doing interviews with non-jugglers on the street to work out what they like or not, because they they probably won't even know how to describe a trick that they like. They'll be like, oh, the one where you do the the thing where it looks like you've got three arms and stuff like that, which I, is always a weird. No, that's a weird thing, because I was once juggling in my parents' back garden, and maybe I told this this story before on the podcast, and I was doing this trick, and I was doing sort of behind-the-back catches, some contortion thing, and th- reaching behind my back and catching them. And this, this kid was climbing a tree two gardens away, and he looks over and he shouts at his friend, this juggler's got three arms! And I was... Uh, I was uh, really, uh, you know, laughing at that because I, I just think that's the kind of level of, of non-jugglers see juggling. You know, they don't even, they can't, it's not that they can, can't count the balls in the air, they can't even count the arms of the juggler. Of course, this was quite a young child, but I thought it was very uh, interesting. Um, Tom Butterworth, he wrote in, oh, sorry, carry on, Michael. Uh, sorry, I, I think that's one of the reasons why I've really uh, gotten more into, uh, uh, like, body-based tricks over the past few years. Like, uh, when I started, I was really into the sort of confusing three-ball Rubenstein's Mills Mess sort of... Like swirly arm kind of tricks. Yeah, like three-arm type juggling, as you call it. 
And uh, although it's a lot of fun, I think a lot of people sort of, um, they see the first few seconds of it and they sort of turn off their brains. Uh, but if you, you know, if you do tricks that involve the head, the arms, the shoulders, uh, under the legs, behind the back, you know, they can, they can more easily relate it uh, to themselves because they have those body parts and they can say, oh, well, <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I, he did some trick where he was throwing them onto his neck or onto his head or behind his back. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I'm more into those sort of tricks now because for me they're more aesthetically pleasing and uh, non-jugglers seem to get them. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So yeah, moving on, there's Tom Butterworth. He said, this is another bit of podcast, he said about young jugglers. He says, I wonder if you've ever explored the area of youth circuses um, for young jugglers because a friend, a few of his friends have been involved with the youth circus. Uh, Paula, you were involved in the youth circus. Have you got anything to say about youth circuses? Youth circuses are great. I loved it. I loved the time. It was partying all night long. We had these great trips to the European Juggling Convention and other small conventions. And it was more about the like the kind of society, that the mini-society we had, than about juggling. Sure, we had a show and everyone had his skills, but I mean the level was so low in a way. It's much more of a social thing for you uh, for when you were at school and doing the youth circus. Definitely. And it, it still is when I go along to, to like as a keeper, to have an eye on them. As a leader, you mean? A leader, yeah. A, a child keeper is, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, but it sounds, um, it sounds uh, dangerous. You once told me uh, it's a keeper. No, I would never say that. It's definitely a leader. A leader. Uh, yeah. Have you got any thoughts about um, youth circuses? Do you do youth circus kind of stuff? Uh, Michael? Uh, well, I've never been involved in a youth circus, uh, but for the first time this June, I'm going to be teaching at a, uh, not really a youth circus, but more of a circus camp. Uh-huh. Um, so that I know we have a lot of those in America, but as a, uh, in terms of youth circuses, I think it's great because it allows uh, kids to get involved much earlier than they might. Um, for example, I think if I would have maybe been exposed to a youth circus living where I did, I might have gotten involved a lot earlier. Um, and I've seen some acts come out of youth circuses that are better quality than professional. <laughs> that is that is true. <laughs> Actually, that's what I, I, said, I mentioned before about there's quite a few people that, like um, uh, Jochen, Big Jochen from Get the Shoe, he was started off in the youth circus. And, and by the time he left school, by the time he left the youth circus, age 16 or 18, he was already like a, a monster juggler. So uh, I think it's like getting kids started young is is a is a big thing to getting them good jugglers in the future, and youth circus is great for that. Yeah, a really a really good uh, American example of that are the Sharp Brothers, uh, the Diablo Act. Yeah, yeah, we saw them at the uh, British Juggling Convention. Yeah. Yeah, and they're uh, from what I understand uh, a major product of uh, Circus Smirkus, if I'm not incorrect, um, which is uh, a popular youth circus and based out of Vermont. And uh, yeah, like they're. Uh, some of the most innovative uh, young diabolists in the world. Talking of young jugglers and uh, talented jugglers, we got this really cool story through from uh, a guy called Ryan Muller, and he says, I'm a big fan of the podcast, and I listen to them as soon as they come out. Keep up the good work. Then he goes on to tell a quite a long story about his first ever time on stage, um, his first ever public show, and it was a talent show at school. I'm not going to go all the way through it, but what happens is that he, he set up his thing, and he's going to be doing three balls and tennis balls uh, with a tennis racket. So he pulls them out of the can onto the tennis racket. He says they've done it a million times before, and they went in three different directions, and and he decides mm -hmm. to chase one of them and it rolled off the stage and he bent over to pick it up and he fell off the front of the stage and his hips were on the stage and he was hanging off the front of the stage and um, uh, uh, but the crowd you know they seemed to get into it once he actually got back up on stage and Maybe juggling they thought it was a comedy act well I if that happened to me on stage and I ended up dangling with my hips on the stage and my head into the orchestra pit I would definitely play it up all it's worth but really this comes back to my uh, the, the podcast that we did a few weeks ago or a few episodes ago I think it was number 49 which is how to avoid trouble on stage and uh, how to avoid technical problems so Ryan Muller if you're going to do this again and he actually says he says despite the rough start it was an awesome experience and I'd do it again in a heartbeat I'm thinking of organising a juggling club next year at my school and maybe we could do an, an act in next year's show as a club so um, yeah it's like you can't always trust the stage technicians to set it up um, but you can't trust yourself either and this is the thing you know if you've got definitely if you've got something like tennis balls they bounce they will disappear off the stage we had all of that in I, another podcast I'm just saying really 
have spares with yourself on on stage. Have you got any cool uh, bad show stories, uh, Michael? Um. Well, my sort of uh, philosophy about bad shows is, uh, you know, always be prepared for them. And uh, I think the best, the best thing that I sort of force myself to do is to just sort of accept when things go wrong uh, and, and laugh at it. You know, I've definitely had a few performances where uh, rings or balls will, will roll out into the audience. And I think the most embarrassing thing is having to get that person in the front row to stand up and throw it. <laughs> back at you it's just, there's nothing worse really because not really. uh, and i think that's the other thing that keeps me from ever doing like a 100 percent serious like uh i don't know how else to describe it but you know how some jugglers do those routines where they they treat themselves like a like some sort of religious spiritual experience on stage and i i find that impossible to ever do because i mean what if you go out on stage uh, with a, almost like a victor key type routine and then, you know, three balls roll out into the audience. It's just sort of like, you know, it, it's tough to go from something so serious to... Yeah, at that point, you really do just have to commit ritual suicide, like, right there on stage to get exactly. yourself... Exactly. I try to always keep some element of uh, fun, or if not, you know, if not fun, a little bit of comedy into the routine, so that, you know, you can, you can laugh at a drop and just sort of shrug it off. <laughs> That is very true. Actually, I remember talking to Matt Hall about that, and he was like, he went, he after doing some different routines, he decided, oh, I want to do an artistic routine. So he put on some like black trousers and a black shirt, and he went out on stage with white props and did this whole sort of like, uh, you know, trying to do like a flowing artistic kind of routine. And he went off stage and he was so angry because everything, in, you know, and other people said, just don't do that. It's not your character at all. And I can totally, I can totally see where you're coming from then because, you know. If you if you're cheeky on stage, you can sort of hide behind that in a way. If if something goes wrong, if you're dead serious and something goes wrong, you just look like a, a seriously wrong person. I don't know actually how to explain yeah, it. Yeah, and and the audience gets so tense if a very serious uh, juggler is having trouble on stage. And the other thing I've noticed is, I swear, I don't know with your experience, Luke, but if if something's going to go horribly wrong, it's going to be in the first ten seconds of your routine. <laughs> that is very true. That I've is so always true. noticed that. If you can get through the first 10 seconds, you're golden. Yeah, it's like the, like the first time you go out on stage and, you know, the first thing I do on stage is throw a, a Diablo up and do a whip catch. And I've and it's always missing that first whip yeah, catch. The first. But we once had a, sh- a dropless show except that one drop with a Diablo. So that was the first 10 seconds and then we had 45 minutes of dropless uh, like yeah. show. Do you yeah. remember? Yeah, that? that I do actually remember. That was uh, that was pretty good. It that goes was when your first thing was a drop. Yeah, that was uh, so. Sometimes it can it can go both ways, I guess. Okay, actually, let's just get on to more about uh, about you. Let's just move on. To, so it's uh, away from podcast stuff and feedback stuff, which uh, hopefully people enjoyed those stories and feedback. Let's get on to uh, the story of Michael Karras. Um, I actually first saw you live the first time I saw you I guess was at the IJA in 2004 where you performed I think it was on the three ball routine show kind of thing and you did a juggling routine to um, a Papa the Rapper kind of soundtrack piece or something so that's the first time I saw you doing this like fun silly juggling routine to music uh, but tell us like where you come from like your origin story this this is the thing that everybody I guess you, you get sick of being asked really it's sort of like how did you start juggling and uh, take us up to your sort of first performances sure um, you know cut me off if I if I get too long-winded but uh, basically uh, I'm from Pittsburgh Pennsylvania which is on the east coast of the US and uh Pretty much, I, I sort of got into juggling a little bit late in the game, or maybe a little bit later than I hoped to get into it. But um, I've always sort of, like all my life, I've been into theater and performance. Um, but at the same time, I, I think I've all I've always sort of been into the uh, the basic theory of juggling without realizing it. Uh, for example, I've always been into math. I've always been into kinetics and movement and sort of nonverbal type theater. So that sort of right brain, left brain thing has always sort of been around from an early age, but never really saw juggling coming. I couldn't have told you 10 years ago that that I would get as involved as I have gotten. Um, but anyway, so I guess when I, my first exposure to juggling was at my local pool. There was a guy there one summer doing flower sticks. And... Uh, <laughs> Well, what, what I nice thought were devils, but 
Yeah, there was just a, a guy there doing flower sticks, and of course, all the girls were crowding around him. And I thought, you know, actually, I didn't even care about the girls. I was just like, that that flower stick stuff is really cool. So I went to Toys R Us and got myself a set and just uh, started practicing. I can't even tell you how old I was. Probably, uh, probably nine or ten. Oh, so you were quite young when you actually started. I mean, if you can call flower stick starting. Right. <laughs> I'm not much better at flower sticks uh, in the past 13 years. Oh, cool. But, you know, no, no I, I'm not much better. But uh, so I guess that was sort of my first thing. And, I, you know, I had, you know, this huge uh, video camera that literally took best tapes into it. And uh, I just recorded myself doing all these devil stick tricks. And um, but my first actual uh, my first actual juggling experience, toss juggling experience, was when I was actually in the show downtown Pittsburgh called A Christmas Carol, which is the story, you know, of Scrooge and Tiny Tim and all that. Yeah, we know Charles Dickens. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, I was in the show and I played the turkey boy, which is the character who comes in at the end and, you know, tries to go get the turkey for, for, for Bob Cratchit. Uh, but anyway, so I had a lot of off time during the show and there was a guy who was in one of the crowd scenes who knew how to juggle and I have no idea whether he had good technique or not, but he could... He could get three balls going, and uh, for some reason, it just it was one of those things that I said, "Man, I need to learn how to do that." It's just something that really uh, tickles my fancy. So I got the guy during the breaks and, and what forth to teach me how to do it. And I still remember they were these like really bright, gaudy, gold-colored bean bags. Nice. And um, from what I remember, I think I probably learned uh, by shoveling. You know, the the bad technique where you sort of throw them towards yourself. Uh, so I learned that, and I also learned two-in-one-hand during that show, and then that's pretty much it. I was probably, say, 12 or 13, um, and I figured, well, now I know how to juggle, and that's that. You know, that, <laughs> I, I figured that out onto, onto different uh, hobbies. Um, so then, uh, occasionally, because I did a lot of theater, I've always been involved in theater, and that's sort of my original passion. So over the years, I would occasionally do shows where... I was able to use those skills. Uh, for example, I did Shakespeare's Midsummer Night's Dream, and I played Puck. And uh, we had this really cool scene where uh, one of the characters, Lysander, is coming in with a sword, and I'm supposed to be invisible. So what I had, I had two of the, the guide sticks, you know, for flower sticks, and I took his sword and sort of did uh, devil stick-type technique with his sword. Cool. And then... Uh, I was in a production of Twelfth Night where there was a guy who knew how to juggle clubs. So I learned to juggle clubs. Uh, but at the same time, I wasn't really, you know, I wasn't really uh, pursuing juggling on my own. It was sort of, well, when it showed up, I learned a trick or I learned... So tell us how you got more into juggling. I mean, when did you, like, seriously start practicing more? And, uh, and how old were you when that happened? Or how long ago was that? I, well, I think the, the big transformation was in 2001 because I went to this this summer program called Governor's School, which is this free program where you audition to get into it. You can major in, uh, you know, theater, art, uh, dance, etc. So I majored in theater, um, but there was a kid there who could juggle better than anyone I had ever seen yet. And, and how good was he then? Well, he, he could do the robot, he could do Mill's Mess, he could do columns, basically sort of the whole standard three-ball repertoire. So, um, and I still remember, his name was Jordan, he was an art major, and he, basically, I went up to him and said, teach me everything you know. And he did, and a week later I came back and said, all right, I have it all, uh, teach me more. <laughs> and uh, basically he couldn't. I, I could already do everything that he could, but a little bit better. So that's sort of, <laughs> that's sort of when I turned to the internet, because at that point, you know, the internet was, was definitely blowing up, and um, not a lot of videos, but at least uh, there was, I, th I want to say his name was Isaac, Isaac's Juggling Simulator. You remember that, Luke? Isaac, was that uh, Itzik Or, um, yes. with the Orsoft Itzik Juggling Simulator, yeah. Yes, that's exactly it. So I found that uh, by doing, you know, some sort of web search, and pretty much that thing kept me busy all summer. <laughs> 
Well, that's cool. Uh, so, what, what are the, who are the were the jugglers that you found online or that you could get in contact to, like back in say two thousand one, two thousand and two, who were a sort of big influence when you first sort of started getting more into juggling? And what kind of juggling were you doing then? Uh, well, to be honest, you were one of them because you know there weren't many juggling websites out there. So uh, I downloaded all your videos. You know, I still remember the uh, dislocated Statue of Liberty. Oh, okay, yeah, a good one. So that that whole era. Um, don't uh, the, <laughs> <laughs> I think the the peapot jugglers had a had a web presence. Yeah, they had a few video clips as well on their website, I guess. So I I used their website for for some inspiration and and ordered all their videos to sort of sort of get started. Um, other than that, uh, and besides the simulators, there wasn't a whole lot. So what kind of juggling did you really get into? What kind of things were you uh, concentrating on that sort of like in the early 2001, 2002, I guess 2003? Uh, at that point, I was pretty much trying to learn basically every single trick that already existed. So, you know, all the, all the standard repertoire, which almost is taken for granted these days because I think it's considered so easier, so easy by today's jugglers. But, you know, your Burks Barrage, your Mills Mesh, your Robot, your Boston Mess. Uh, oh, uh, the Juggling Aquarium, that was a really good website that I used. Yeah, I guess I can remember they had like a, a few hundred videos on there as well, I guess. Well, maybe not a few hundred, but at least a hundred videos of lots of different stuff from like three balls all the way up to 11 balls or something, wasn't it? So, uh, so the, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, let's move on a bit quicker then, actually. Just get more onto sort of like when you started performing more, just without doing theatre stuff, actually. You know, tell us about some of your first juggling and uh, shows and then like take us up to today, really, and how your stage performing has changed over the past few years. Well, I'm, I'm always trying new things, and I can't say that I uh, have a particular style polished completely yet, but uh, my first... I, uh, I, I basically was terrified to perform on stage uh, for the first two years just because I didn't feel ready and I felt like I would drop everything and, and my hands would get all sweaty. So I guess I finally took the plunge and tried performing for the first time in 2003 uh, because we had this uh, first and only annual juggling shindig in Pittsburgh. And it was actually pretty cool because we got Jay Gilligan to come out, who was a huge... Um, huge inspiration to me at that point, so uh, I was pretty nervous to perform on stage, you know, before he did, but that was sort of my first ever performance, and I used uh, some Vanessa Carlton music. Oh, bless you, Paula. Yeah, Paula's still really ill at the moment. She, she her, her face is still stuffed up, and she's got stuff. She said she's yeah, no, but she she just told me today she sneezed, and stuff came out of her eyes when she sneezed, which I thought was a bit disgusting. Anyway, carry on about your your performing in, in Pittsburgh. How did that go then, that first time? And did you want to do it again? Uh, it did. It went it went pretty well. Uh, I felt pretty pretty confident with it, and uh, it didn't go too badly. And I remember after the show, uh, I went up to Jane, congratulated him because he had done a great set, and he uh, you know he sort of said, "Oh yeah, I, I enjoyed what you did. You know, there was there was some interesting stuff there." So, um, and I sort of saw that what I was doing, which was uh, sort of almost dance-like choreography was very different from what anyone else did that night. So I said, you know what, I'll, I'll give it another try. And uh, I guess a year later, really focused on, on Buffalo, which is when you saw me. Yeah, and it was much more, well, I don't know what your first routine was like, but your, this routine that I, uh, I remember, it was very tightly choreographed to the music and to the, and to the words and to the, and to the actions that were in the, in the piece of music. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, I didn't have uh, any formal training, so uh, I had no idea how to construct a juggling routine. And all of my experience was from dance, uh, which I had taken for 10 years in a ballet. And whenever you create a routine in dance, it's always, uh, unless it's modern, which I, excuse me, didn't focus on too much, uh, you always choreograph uh, exactly to the music and counts of eight and go over and over and over it again. Sorry, I had a screensaver issue there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we did just like a second ago as well. So, uh, so I had no idea really how to construct a juggling routine. So I just figured, well, I guess it's like a dance routine. So... I'll pick a piece of music and then uh, sort of try to map it out and count of eight. Uh, and then when that sort of went well, I said, okay, well, I need, you know, I need some sort of idea uh, to help me come up with the moves. So I, I picked Parappa the Rapper uh, and this, this piece where there's a karate instructor telling him to punch, kick, turn, and block, and basically figured out a juggling equivalent for each of those moves. 
and said, okay, well, and, you know, I like, I like when juggling routines sort of build themselves. So, so I, I, I always, especially at the beginning, look for pieces of music that sort of, sort of helped me figure out where, where it was going. That's cool. Actually, uh, Paula just asked me in my ear. She says, "I just watched. We just watched a video of you yesterday. And when was that from? It was your Kiss Kiss video from Montreal, um, which again, it's like very set to the music and beats of eight and uh, the chorus of Pete. So why didn't you tell us a bit about that routine or sort of your journey on on uh, choreographing sort of dance based, hip hop based kind of juggling routines? <laughs> yeah, the funny thing is, I don't have uh, as much rhythm as I do when I juggle. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the I don't know. The, the thing is, I've uh, I sort of taken a break uh, ever since uh, the 2006 hip-hop routine. I hadn't really uh, worked with hip-hop at all since then, so I was sort of, you know, I was focusing so much on numbers and, and higher technique uh, that I sort of wanted to just do a three-ball routine. I said, you know, what is it? Why can't three balls and strictly three balls uh, be enough for a three-and-a-half-minute routine? So I picked a piece of music that I really liked, and... Um, Basically, my goal for that routine, Kiss Kiss, was to sort of do something that I like to call jukebox juggling, um, which is basically taking the lyrics in the song rather than the music and choreographing the juggling to the lyrics. Do you mean the Do you mean the words of the lyrics, or do you mean the sound, or do you mean the tempo and where it is in the song, or just what do you mean by to the lyrics? Well, it's different than to the music because a lot of the times, especially in hip hop, the music is fairly repetitive. But if you choreograph to the lyrics, and I'm saying strictly the rhythm of the lyrics at this point, uh, you get a, a lot of different interesting variations because <clears throat> you know each. Uh, each breakout or each chorus is a little bit different. So it's almost as if you're watching like the visualizer on uh, iTunes or Windows Media Player. As sort of use it, I was trying to use the juggling to uh, be a visual representation of uh, like the rhythm of the lyrics. But at the same time, also, uh, anytime the lyrics gave me a funny idea for choreography, also using that. Cool, but I guess that means, like you say, if the lyrics are the same, does that mean the juggling is the same? Uh, yeah, and in fact, that's sort of what I explored, because if you notice from the routine, every time the, the refrain comes around, I do the same, I do the same uh, sequence, uh, sometimes with a little more energy or a few extra um, flares, but uh, I, I made sure and I wanted to experiment with the fact that the refrain, every time I came back to it, had the same uh, choreography, which I thought some people would think was lazy, but I've had a bunch of people come up to me and say that uh, they've never seen that before and that they thought it was really interesting to keep coming back to the same choreography for the for the chorus. Well, I guess it's because it it's not so much lazy, it's it's newer in a way because so many jugglers, like professional jugglers, will never perform to music with lyrics in it because the lyrics gets in the way. And a lot of then the people who don't really worry about that so much, they're just getting up there and juggling to music that they like. They don't choreograph it that closely to the music either. So it doesn't matter that there's lyrics there. It's mm-hmm. just because there's like, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? They, they, the, 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 the lyrics aren't important at all. Um, or the structure of the song isn't important at all. It's just music while they juggle. So that's the thing. It's like the people who do choreograph music strongly um, don't use music with lyrics, and those who don't choreograph strongly, well, the lyrics don't matter anyway. So I think that's probably... Oh, no. Um, Well, we just seem to have uh, lost connection with uh, Michael Karras here. So um, ringing... Here we go. Hello? Hey, Michael. Sorry about that. We had a disconnect here. Okay, that's all right. Hey, don't worry about it. Um, so uh, I can't remember where we're up to, but um, let's let's move on now. Oh yeah, juggling and repeating with the lyrics. Um, I think we've covered that enough. Let's move on. Uh, so, uh, what other kind of uh, juggling do you do now? I mean, that's the kind of stuff that you do for uh, for other jugglers at conventions. What what do you do now to to earn your living? Are you a professional performer, juggler, entertainer? What what kind of things do you do? Um. Well, ever since I graduated, I've. Uh... Done a lot of wonderful jobs, um, but uh, wonderful in the sense that they keep me uh, in practice and they, you know, keep the rent paid. Uh, in that, uh, the first job I did was a, an amusement park where I played uh, an ice cream guy named Smiling Sam. Woohoo! Yes, <laughs> and I juggled uh, some ice cream decorated uh, air, air flights as well as um, 
Well, I, I actually, uh, you know, like I said, I tried to take a, sort of a job that could have been mundane and tried to spice it up. So I came up with a routine where I had uh, cones. I had uh, like ice, uh, empty ice cream cones that were basically cardboard, and I worked out some stuff with, uh, with basically scoops of ice cream, which were balls, and uh, ice cream cones, and did sort of a routine like that. Sounds like shaker cups. And it, it was very similar to shaker cups. <laughs> yeah, that's but cool. But less annoying. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, less less noisy. And uh, then I just I just got off of a nine month tour with a company called Food Play, which was wonderful. It was uh, I played a an act I played a character named Johnny Junk Food, who uh, through juggling and coaching learns how to eat healthy, and that was uh, for elementary school. Okay, so uh, I guess I mean the the juggling in that is uh, more aimed towards children, then is it? It is. I did a lot of uh, your standard fare. I did some eat the apple. Uh, I did. Of course, uh, it's food uh, play. You've got to eat your food, haven't you? You've got to juggle your food. And I have, uh, I have no qualms with that. You know, like anything to to illustrate the point. Let's see what else did I do. Uh, you know, I juggled some fruits and different fruits and vegetable props. Uh, I juggled uh, clubs that were shaped to look like soda and fruit juice. I think we get the idea, Michael. <laughs> so, uh, what kind of things do you want to do in the future, like professionally juggling wise, or, or do you not? Are you not wanting to be a professional juggler? Maybe a professional actor? I mean, what kind of things do you want to do? Oh, Paula. How old are you? How old do you think I am? <laughs> I have no idea, to be honest. I just saw you for a second on screen in, like, two centimeters by two centimeters. I just I'm twenty-three. Know. 23, okay. Just wanted to know. And uh, I guess, I c so I've been juggling now for about seven years. So, yeah, like I say, what, what do you want to do in the future then, juggling-wise, performing-wise? Honestly, I just want to do stuff that's uh, really uh, unique. I love, I've been very lucky so far in sort of doing unique experiences that combine theater and juggling, uh, because my, my college degree and most of my background is in uh, theater, and I've studied that a lot more uh, over my lifetime than juggling. But at the same time, at this point, I've realized that I've hit a point where I, I don't really want to do too long of a period uh, of theater where there isn't juggling somehow involved. Uh, so I guess uh, my, my goals for the future uh, would be a few possibilities, either uh, touring with a juggling company that already exists, eventually creating my own juggling company or my own shows and touring with those, uh, or um, uh, doing some circus work, uh, or um, also just uh, also uh, training, doing some training for uh, for young people. That's cool. I guess that's what you're doing this summer that you said already, isn't it? That you're going to do this uh, this juggling summer camp kind of teaching gig. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, that's cool. So you say a lot about theatre. How does like working in theatre uh, and character and working in character? How does that influence your juggling at all, or does it, or do you keep them separate? Like, I mean, I'm talking about your sort of juggling your things that you think more of sort of like your juggling as art rather than juggling as sharing about food kind of thing. If you understand what I'm getting at there. Yeah, I think it has a, a huge inspiration, and uh, that's sort of my goal is always to have theatre in the back of my mind when I juggle, uh, because I think. I think it's really important to always keep the audience in mind, and uh, in any situation, um, well, not in any situation, but in many situations, uh, the audience is there to be entertained. And uh, the very nature of theater is that uh, it's telling a story. So in a lot of my juggling pieces, uh, whether consciously or unconsciously, I've sort of created them with the idea that there's a, there's an, a story behind the juggling or behind why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, and I think those are the pieces that I end up enjoying the most because it has that crossover of theater and, excuse me, juggling. Uh, for example, I, don't, I mean, I, you haven't seen some of my stuff over the past years, but I, I did a simple piece with a puppet in my left hand and two balls, and basically the story of the piece was that I'm trying to juggle for the audience and the puppet is trying to basically knock the props out of my hand and do whatever it takes to upstage me. Sounds like a lot of fun. It, it is a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, let me tell you... The, the and it doesn't matter when you drop. <laughs> so we are back to the beginning. <laughs> I've actually done... Yeah, that's, that's one of the pieces where I, I drop on purpose. And there's another piece that I've recently uh, performed at RIT uh, here in, in the States, which also had intentional dropping. It was to the song Gravity by John Mayer. Uh, and the sense that um, the story of it is a juggler who uh, 
goes out on stage cocky and ready to give the best juggling performance of his life, and everything sort of doesn't work out. And you're actually aiming to do this on stage. You're actually aiming to fail on stage because that must take quite a, a lot of balls and also some some good acting talent to actually be able to pull that off. It does take a lot of balls. It takes about 14, actually, during the whole routine. <laughs> okay, that joke fell flat. Yeah, it's a ball <laughs> joke. Sorry, we, we just uh, just passes us by, really. Yeah, but yeah, the, I mean, the idea, there's, I mean, there's definitely more catches than drops in the routine still. But But the point is I wanted to tell a story and I said, you know, I've, I've never seen a routine where uh, you go into it with the idea of failure as the goal. Um, and it's not necessarily for comic effect. It's basically the character going out there and failing and seeing how he deals with the failure. And then also seeing how he deals with the success because it's so much more of a surprise that he's actually landing some of it. And then the, the, the kicker of the routine is there's, he gets his balls out of a basket that's tied to balloons. So when he finally removes the final ball, the balloons uh, head up into the sky with, with the basket attached. So it's sort of no matter how he does, he can't win the fight against gravity. Well, that's cool. Tell us a bit about why you, why you use hip-hop music, because this is the thing that really annoyed me about your juggling, actually, is because um, I, I saw your um, IJA routine, or was it 2006 you mentioned before? And um, I saw it without music, and I really, really enjoyed it, because the year before you'd done this sailor routine to some, some sailor music, I can't remember... Uh, exactly what it was and it's a really fun routine and you did all this cool dancing and then I saw this routine that you did at the, in IGA in 2006 and you did it uh, I saw it first without the music without the soundtrack and I thought it was amazing because I thought you were performing to some good music and in the end it was music which was sort of like about slapping bitches and money and popping caps in your ass and all that kind of stuff and I, and I really I really dislike um, hip hop music of that style where it's it's it, to me it seems to be it's it's completely it's not that I dislike it it's just that if there's any kind of music which doesn't go with juggling it's it's hardcore I'm going to have sex with you tonight baby but in 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 worse words in that um with with in the hip hop style so uh, tell me why you use that yeah I mean I understand your point uh the the lyrics definitely are not as uh, raunchy as you think, because I definitely took that into account, especially because I was performing it uh, at a family convention. Yeah, but you've got you to admit that is, the, that is the message of the music that you're, that you're performing to there as well. One of them was about guns, one of them was about money, and then one of them was about having sex with a woman. I mean, they might not have said it in that way, but that was, that was the message of the music. And then you were throwing balls around to it, and I'm just, I'm just not sure... Uh, I'm I just not sure how you can justify your decision to use that music there. Even though it can be cool music, I'm just wondering um, why you decide to go with it. Well, um, in my opinion, uh, I really like sharp, uh, a really sharp juggling. And uh, to me, hip-hop is the best music to emphasize uh, uh, sharp transitions. Uh, very, uh, Just the style that I was looking for, really hip-hop embodied that. And at the same time, hip-hop is you know, one of the most popular forms of music in America right now, if not the world. I mean, you look at the top ten of iTunes, and it's mostly all hip-hop. So, in another sense, uh, regardless of the fact that I like hip-hop, America and the world really loves hip-hop, and I thought that uh, it's really cool to take stuff that people are dancing to in the club and apply juggling to it. Okay, that's cool. But uh, another point about this is that when I see you on stage, the like I when I first saw that, I honestly thought that you were doing fun dancing to some kind of sailor music, not sailor music, but some kind of jazz music. And I think that you sort of like your look and your style of juggling and the movement that you were doing would go much much better to some other kind of music as, you know, to make the the act itself more accessible and to make the act itself better in all these ways. So, um and another thing, not wanting to be racist or anything, but you're not black. You don't look black enough. You look very, very white to do that. And I'm just maybe that's just my sort of European sensibilities of of listening to hip hop. That's you know the image that you're portraying on on stage there just doesn't seem to. Um, what am I trying to say? It doesn't seem to fit together. It doesn't gel together. And I'm wondering, uh, yeah, just about that. If you've got more views on that. Uh, well, I, I partly agree with you in the fact that I think uh, that routine, even though it turned out pretty well for me. Uh, it was still sort of uh, an earlier Michael Karras who didn't quite understand all of the uh, aesthetics of putting together a routine. And uh, I had, uh, I agree with you that the character uh, definitely doesn't match up to the music. 
and that he sort of was this, uh, sort of like, like you said, sort of a jazzy character with this, uh, you know, fedora and these, uh, these pinstripe pants. And uh, I think character-wise, I was a little off-base uh, putting that character to hip-hop music. So I think that if I do another routine with, like, all hip-hop music like that, I need to sort of think of a different way to approach it character-wise. Yeah, I think that's maybe what it is, actually, that it was such such a disparity between the actual character and the music. Maybe if it was a, if it was different, I think. But then again, I've seen so many routines that perform to sort of hip-hop, sort of B, like B-boy music and stuff, and it's a, a white boy doing it. And, uh, like, do you remember, have you seen Pascal with his hats? Do you remember he does all this sort of, like, woo, like this, and the, the yeah. cap on backwards and stuff? It's just, uh, you know, when it turns into sort of parody, I really dislike it. I think exactly. So. I, I, I think that's horrible and insulting, and that's, what I really didn't want to do is, you know, go on to hip hop. I'm not saying that you did do that. I have seen that done really badly with juggling routines. Yeah. I'm not saying you did that. But I think this this uh, new routine that I saw, this Kiss Kiss one, which is like again, the, the hip hop is is different. It's more sort of pop poppy hip hop. I mm-hmm. think it's uh, just a bit more, maybe a bit more accessible. I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, well, uh, that makes me glad that you say that. That's sort of what I was going for. Um, like I said, I think I realized that I, I didn't need all the extra um, sort of costume, if you will. You know, hip-hop is hip-hop, and hip-hop is all about the streets and uh, not dressing up. If anything, it's dressing down. So I figured, you know, I wasn't trying to be white. I wasn't trying to be black. I wasn't trying to be jazzy. I just uh, sort of kept my jeans on, kept, a, you know, a nice, uh, almost like, like an outfit you would uh, wear to the club and just... Uh, sort of focus more on uh, emphasizing the music rather I think, than... I think that worked a lot, lot better in that, in that case, yeah. I think. So, uh, and I wasn't trying to be a character. I was just Michael. Having fun. Yeah. Let's move on a bit, actually. So, uh, taking like two minutes, let's just talk a bit about um, juggling videos because you've put out quite a few juggling videos. And I've recently, like, I saw in your blog because I keep up with your blog, your, um, what's it called? Carousel of um, Progress. Yeah, so uh, people, we'll put a link to it in the show notes here as well, but uh, people should check this out, because you do post some interesting stuff. Now, the thing is, there was uh, a while ago you posted this rant about bad juggling videos and about how people should put more thought into them and do this and do that, and you had sort of like these eight points, whatever they were, about how to make juggling videos better. And then, a few days ago, a few weeks ago, you put out a, a blog post saying, hey, people shouldn't post as many videos and people should keep their, their juggling for live performances. So so what gives with that? What 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 do you think? You should put people should put out more and better videos, or you think people should put out less videos? Right. Uh, well, I'm always I'm always making my mind up about stuff, and you know, if if you can't change your views about something, then what what what's the point of having views? I think it's good to to always uh, you know do more research and decide, but for yourself. But uh, I think those are two separate points. I think uh, that the videos that are out there need to be better and more exciting, but. Uh, there's a difference between um, the other post was talking more about uh, saving some surprises for live performance. Um, so while I think uh, yes, people should be making uh, juggling videos with a little more thought into them, and I don't think that jugglers should share every single project and uh, well-researched idea with with YouTube. Okay, that's a pretty good way of saying it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, for for example, like uh, Greg Kennedy, you know, he's been great in putting a lot of his ideas online. Yeah. And because of it, he's achieved a lot of uh, internet fame and a lot of success. Of course, he's been available for that. Uh, but even, even so, he basically puts on a snippet, you know, online, which is enough to get sort of the idea of the piece. Uh, but, um, you know, it's... I, I think... Now I'm just a little bit, um, I think a little bit more before putting something online. You know, is this something that I want to share or is it something that I'm, I feel isn't quite ready? And I, people will notice that I've, I've put fewer and fewer videos up over the past year, uh, partly because I'm, I don't have the time, but partly because it just, uh, you know, as you get more and more well-known, you there's a, a, a pressure but also a, a privilege to uh, put more thought and more time into your videos. Yeah, sure. Okay, let's move on again. Um, so again, one of your first posts on your on your carousel of progress, which I think is a good starting point, is actually a, a juggler, uh, and you said you respected this juggler, and he said to you, um, 
you're you're good for a hobbyist juggler, but he he only placed you uh, one level above the hippies or something like that. Now you don't have to go into that in much detail, but how do you see yourself as a juggler? Do you see yourself as an artistic juggler, or what is an artistic juggler? And are you one, or or how would you yeah how would you describe yourself as a juggler? Um, not just performing uh, with with kids shows and theme parks. I'm talking about sort of like uh, what people see you as online and and the shows that you do at juggling conventions. Honestly, I've I've sort of stopped using the term artistic juggler because it's so for me it encompasses a lot of things and and after you know hearing your whole uh podcast about art um it it's subjective and also you know it's up to sort of the artist to decide what's artistic and not wow you bought my argument i, I did buy your argument actually it was a very good one and it it sort of helped me figure out a few things for myself um but i think i think overall what i like what i like to be considered as overall is a theatrical juggler someone who uh, keeps the idea of theater and the uh, the ups and downs and emotional variety of theater in mind when creating my pieces. Um, but I think a lot of my videos and a lot of the videos I'm I'm known for, like uh, Heart of a Champion and Normal Like You in Connecticut, those are all basically those videos are designed to be creative. And I think um, those videos were basically designed not to you know, create any sort of catharsis among the viewers, but to just uh, show what I'm working on and show the, the tricks and techniques that I'm working on. So would you call yourself a creative juggler? I, I would call myself a creative juggler because I enjoy coming up with new techniques for, you know, the, the props that are already in existence. That's yeah. sort of what I like to think of as creative juggling, or people who take the ideas that are sort of already there, the balls, the rings, the clubs, and come up with entirely new ways of manipulating them. And would you call yourself... Uh, I mean, I'm just saying this is a, a label that you put put on me. You called me a, a novelty juggler in a, in a recent blog post as well, that you that you said that I uh, just show new stuff or different stuff. I mean, would you call yourself a novelty juggler? And I'm not meaning that in a bad way. I'm saying, you know, do you... You know, the way that I saw myself uh, a good few years ago anyway, it was like whenever I get up on stage, the audience would never know what they were going to get all they knew that they were going to get was something that they maybe hadn't seen before or uh, some juggling at a different angle that they'd seen before. So uh, would you, are you that kind of juggler? I mean, do you always try and show something new on stage each time to jugglers? Yeah, I, I always try to show something new, Luke. And I think, you know, the, the, the central word of novelty is novel, which, you know, means new and exciting. And, uh, you know, when I think about new ideas, which I have all the time, uh, I don't think about them in terms of will this impress the judges at you know any sort of competition I think of it in terms of is this novel is this a way to take juggling and make it even more exciting uh, for example the puppet idea it requires very little um, technical skill but it's novel it's new it's something that people have never seen before um, same with I did a I did a routine with uh, rings that like juggling rings that could link together Again, sort of something that's uh, creative, yes, but I would say more uh, more of a novelty act because it's something that's uh, sort of new and um, sort of the things that say, oh, wow, that's an interesting idea that I've never seen before. And I like that he's taken juggling and uh, approached it through this sort of uh, creative lens of finding new ways to make juggling interesting. That's cool. So let's uh, let's take some leaves out of Jason Garfield's interview technique book. Okay, so can juggling be art? In other words, I'm asking you questions that you, you might not have an answer to, so you don't have to answer these if you don't want to. Uh, sure. So the first question is, it, can juggling be art? Yep. Absolutely. And how can it be art, then? <laughs> well, I think it can be art because, well, first of all, like you said, uh, if the person decides that this juggling is art, then it's art. Okay, and real quickly, without going on too much of a tangent, uh, I, you know, I there's right now in Pittsburgh a huge display of artwork called the International, and a lot of it, in my opinion, is crap, and isn't very artistic or exciting or anything. It's like you know putting a shoe in it in the middle of a gallery, but because that artist uh, has decided that to them it's art, then it's art. I can't argue with that because they have the power in that situation. Um, so yes, juggling can be art because the person decides it, but also it can be art uh, to yourself as well. 
And I guess that's sort of hypocritical to say, but, um, for example, when I see Thomas Dietz juggling uh, with his extremely impressive technical skill, he probably doesn't consider that art. But to me, there's an aesthetic quality about it that really uh, just uh, inspires me and uh, to me is just sort of beauty in the air. You can, you can appreciate it. You can appreciate it at the same level as um, art, other art, even though Thomas doesn't consider it art. You can still appreciate it at that level. You're saying that? Right. That's cool. Okay. Um, can juggling change the world for the better? Yes, one person at a time. Um, it, it, it's not going to solve any major world problems, but uh, it can. Yes, I, like I said, it can change the it can change the world one person at a time. It, it can do it, and everything from giving a kid self-esteem to um, making someone see the world in a way that they've never seen it before, um, to just expanding a person's uh, a person's range of what they've seen in their lifetime. You know, some people have never seen what a five club cascade looks like. So just by seeing that, they know that something is possible. I love, you know, I love going on YouTube and seeing people do amazing things. Um, not because I want to do them, but because it excites me to see what the human race is, is capable of. And I think uh, when someone does something great or impressive, it can inspire other people to do stuff that's equally great and impressive, even if it's in a different medium. Okay. Next question. Um do you think more people should juggle, or do you think less people should juggle, or do you think we should be evangelistic about juggling? Is is juggling something you want to see grow, or don't you care? I think I, I, I wrote a blog about this. I, I sort of looked at the pros and cons of each one. Um, I, think, uh, I think I'd love to see it grow um, among people that it hasn't really grown with yet. For example... Uh, one reason that I do like juggling to hip-hop is because I think there's a whole uh, hip-hop community, you know, uh, sort of urban community that could really bring a lot to the juggling world that really just, uh, for some reason, hasn't gotten into it. So um, I, think, I think we need to reach out to sort of uh, people that aren't into it yet. You know, they, we, we have enough computer nerds. We need to uh, reach out to minorities, to women... Uh, to people who, you know, aren't seen as the majority in juggling yet. Well, let me just question that. Why do we need to do that? I mean, if they if they find juggling interesting, why can't they just go into juggling? I mean, why should the jugglers think juggling is more valid to other people than it is already? I mean, just a, if you could just take a minute to answer that. Or don't you have any views? Uh, well, I do have views. Uh, the question is whether I can articulate them. Uh, I think it's... Because they they just don't maybe see it as cool. And I think it always takes like sort of one spokesperson uh, to sort of pick a particular group and uh, and sort of let them know that oh wow I thought juggling was just for uh, computer nerds but this uh, this female juggler for example is uh, doing some really amazing stuff and um, because of that I see well it's not just a guy thing. You know, same with other uh, typical guy things, guy sports, skateboarding, and uh, and stuff of that nature. You know, I think uh, if if sort of one person, you know, yes, yes, they can get into juggling on their own, and the people who are truly meant to, I think, will always find their way there. Uh, but you know, there's a lot of untapped talent that we might be able to reach uh, if we uh, don't evangelize, as you say, necessarily, but uh, sort of put it out there. Okay. I accept that, I guess. Not sure I agree with you, but I understand where you're coming from. So, finally, let's just wrap up now. Who are your big influences now, and who are, have you got any big juggling heroes, and do you have any big heroes from outside of the world of juggling as well? Gosh, my, I mean, my, my heroes are always uh, changing uh, from year to year, but I think the, the people that really um, inspire me are the people who are not just doing new stuff, but sort of not afraid to take risks. Go on, let's have some names then. Let's have some names. Yeah. <laughs> All right, some name dropping. Um, for example, uh, Victor Key, for example, was a huge inspiration early on. Not as much now, because he, he has basically stuck to one thing his entire career. But 
he was at the forefront of something that was entirely new. You understand what I'm saying? Oh yeah, I understand. Um, no, no one had really seen something like that uh, before he before he sort of did that style of juggling. Uh, Jay Gilligan is a huge inspiration to me because he has basically made me uh, say over to myself over and over again that it's okay to to try new things and to fail. Like it's better to have uh, more ideas and try them all than to just stick to something and know that you're always going to succeed or, or please people. Okay, and someone from outside of the world of juggling? Uh, someone from outside of the world of juggling. Yeah, we ask this to most people on the podcast that we interview. I don't know, I, I might have to get back to you on that. Okay, well, we can leave that from another time, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I imagine it would be uh, like some sort of artist or musician. Okay, don't worry about it. Let's move on, because we might as well just finish up now, I guess. Oh, some old-style, old-school juggling podcast question. Do you have a cat? I don't have a cat. I have a dog. But... Okay, forget it. If it's not a cat, we don't care. Uh, and finally, if there's any question, this is the last thing that we normally ask people, is there any question that you want, you wanted me to ask that, we, that I didn't ask you and that you would you want to say? You know, like a final thought. You know, the final thought for jugglers, you know? You're talking to everyone now. What are you going to say to them? Hello, world. Um, I think uh, my, my final word to, to the, the juggling world as a whole is to always keep juggling a, a physical as well as a mental exercise. Uh, because uh, some people only focus, well, most people uh, only focus on the physical nature of juggling and forget to add the mental. And I think it's uh, both sides are just as important. And if the minute you remove your mind from the process of juggling, uh, it's going to be dead because you're not thinking about what you're doing and you're not applying any sort of experience or uh, and it's sort of analytical approach to your juggling. So just, you know, keep it, keep it a mental and physical activity always. Okay, then. That's a good last word. Paul, have you got any last questions for Michael? No, I just wanted to say world peace. Oh, okay then. Well, we've still got the end of the the, the wrap-up of the podcast to do, okay? So, uh, if that's cool, Michael, I think that's where we'll leave the interview with you. Uh, finally, have you got any questions that you want to ask me or Paula? Um, no, I mean, thank you so much for having me on the interview. I think it, it means a lot to me that you guys wanted to talk to me. Um, so, I guess my only question for you is... Uh, how is the painter routine going? Has that been going well? The painting routine, our art of juggling routine. Yeah, yeah. it's going quite well. Um, we don't do it so much now because, you know, Polo's wanting to take some time off for juggling. So, you know, I'm concentrating on some more solo stuff of my own. But otherwise, it's going well. How do you think it's going, Polo? I think it's working fine when we do it. But we don't do it because I, I have my juggling free time for roughly half a year now. I took time off from juggling. So we've only actually done it in about six or seven shows. Thank you for the microphone. <laughs> yeah, we I think we did it three times in the last half year, didn't we? Uh, maybe three gigs. I can't remember. Maybe a few more. I can't remember exactly. But no, it's going quite well. Actually, we're coming up with some other ideas now. But, you know, I think I might put them on video. Or maybe after you telling me not to, maybe I won't show them on video. So I'm not <laughs> quite sure what to do. Actually, we don't have a video camera at the moment, which is one of the main reasons <laughs> I haven't put out any videos for the past year or so is because the video cameras have been broken. So, uh, yeah, I think that's about it. So, uh... Am I going to see you guys at the EJC? Yeah, we're definitely going to be at the EJC. Paul and I, uh, we're organizing the game session on the Saturday, so um, that's going to be bonkers. And also, I'm going to be organizing the open stages. So if you want to be doing and a I show... I want to see you live. Uh, yeah, and we want to see you perform at the EJC. So if you're not booked to open to any shows so far, come along and do something on the open stages one night. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. I'm working on some stuff right now, actually. I can... I can never uh, stand to do a routine more than once or twice, so <laughs> I'm always working on new stuff. Well, that's cool. Well, we'll see some new stuff from Michael at the EJC. Uh, what's up, Polly? You're frowning. Yeah, I'm just wondering about that last sentence. It so didn't fit to to the whole conversation that you just perform things twice, you said, and then you want to go on with something else? I mean, how how can you... Can, can that routine... Uh, get to a routine. It's it's a bit strange to just do it twice, isn't it? Or a few times. Because it always gets better with the reaction of the audience and and thinking about it, talking to other people, performing it once and twice and then another time. Isn't it? Uh, yeah, I agree with you. But at this point in my career, uh, as sort of um, starting out, especially at juggling conventions, I like uh, trying new stuff constantly. It's more... You know, if I'm doing a gig or whatever, yes, I think it's good to always uh, do something you're comfortable with and you've worked out. But if you're doing it in front of your, your peers and your, your friends in the juggling community, I say why not, why not try something new and get some uh, honest 
feedback, and uh, that way you can take what you learn and apply it to your career or the real world or whatever. Okay, yeah, I understand that. Where, like for for juggling conventions, I think it's really important to always have something new and try out stuff. I mean, that's what they are there for. I guess in in the in the USA, there's there's lots of small conventions, and uh, I hear over and over and over again that it's the same few performers turning up time and time again to perform, and people get sick of the routines. And I guess that's one way of keeping keeping it fresh. Really, is always having new stuff, so people don't mind you inv- inviting you back to some conventions. Yeah, I mean that's what I like to think is that people, if they uh, offer me to perform, will uh, expect something that's uh, you know new but also polished. I'm not just putting it together that day. It's something that I've spent time on, but yeah. It, to me, it's really exciting to premiere new work for my friends. Well, that's cool. We'll leave it there then. So this has been Juggling Podcast number, what is it, 53? Conversation with Michael Karras. So uh, um, I think I think that's it. If, if people want to get hold of you, what's the best way to get hold of you? What's your website then, Michael? My website is michaelkarras.net. That's quite easy. Um, and then... Uh, yeah, do you want me to give out my email address on here? Uh, no, I'm sure people can just find it on your website, michaelcarris.net. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's cool. And maybe we'll put a link to your latest, your Kiss Kiss video on the, on the Facebook group or something, if you wouldn't mind. That might be cool. Yeah, sure, go ahead. Cool, then. Um, any last words, Paula? No, I just wanted to say bye. Okay. Um, well, that's it, then. I guess the, the outro music's bubbling underneath now, so uh, see you next week. Keep sending your emails here, luke at juggler.net. Bye, and thank you for the interview. It was really interesting. Thanks. Oh, you're welcome. Okay, that's it. See you later. <laughs>